and gentlemen, to the Hollywood Hardwood Podcast with Tony and Pat coming off of a huge home victory against the Sacramento Kings. Tony, what's your initial feedback regarding that uh, that victory we just saw? I thought it was a, a good uh, test for the guys. Uh, yes, granted, it was back-to-back against the Sacramento Kings coming into town, but a very good ball club, and you know, I really thought uh, the defense bled into the offense uh, once again, and uh, you saw our two main guys in two separate quarters, Zion in the second, scoring 18, and Brandon outside of halftime uh, getting on a little bit of heater and scoring 18 as well. Uh, so I really thought that was a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously that's a super uh, you know critical portion to to this team's success and, and coming out and, and getting victories on a night-to-night basis. But um, I think personally, in my opinion, you know, an area where we should shed some light is is potentially on, uh, you know, swiper, no swiper, De'Aaron Fox and his, uh, you know, his ability to, to not show up in this game. Um, are there certainly some things that, that you might have seen that, that played a role in his lack of efficiency and, and lack of ability to, to generate offense for his team? Yeah, like I said, you could uh, chop it up to the back-to-back, but that's not what I'm going to put here. I really saw Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones being really physical with them, uh, you know, Dyson especially kind of picking him up full court, not letting him get out on his break, which he usually likes to do to get those uh, free fast break layups uh, to lead into his offense. And, uh, you know, I think they really made it hard and difficult on Fox from the opening tip. And you kind of saw that through. Uh, but I do expect De'Aaron to come back and bounce back in uh, the next game against the Pels for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a high likelihood of happening. You know, De'Aaron's a good player. Um, you know, generates a lot of offense for for those guys over there, and certainly has a a fair amount of looks to it each and every night. So, um, certainly a safe bet to assume that that he's going to be getting a lot of shots up, and um, will have every opportunity to to create uh, and generate a lot of looks for that team. So, um, you know, segueing off of that and taking a look at those two guys. Um, and Dyson and Herb, obviously, we've got a small, but yet, you know, sufficient amount of a, a sample size here of those two um, manning the backcourt and the starting unit and, and playing off those other guys. Um, you know, looking at those two guys individually, you know, what what areas do you, you know, really like from each one of those players? If you could break down, um, you know, different characteristics of their game that you think are, um, you know, beneficial to the rest of this group. and and then maybe take it one step further and, and compare um, each of those guys against one another in terms of their ability to defend. You know, which guy do you think is, you know, the better defender? And, and how do you think both of those guys' game translate, um, not only right now for this current team, but, you know, possibly translates over the next year or two here when, when looking at these two uh, swingmen? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll just start offensively with both Herb and Dyson. Uh, just because those are maybe some of their weaker points, at least coming into their NBA careers. But I've seen both of them kind of add different things uh, throughout uh, their first couple years here, uh, being with the Pels. Herb Jones, you see, is, I think, getting a little more comfortable behind that three-point line. And as well, you know, being used good as a screener and kind of diving to the basket, getting some of those layups at the rim. Um, so that's really been beneficial to the game when they're overplaying, say, a B.I. or a Zion, just to have him as a cutter to finish as well. So I think that's been really good to see. 
And then for Dyson, uh, you see he's more comfortable behind that three-point line. Uh, I don't think there's really a hesitancy anymore or thinking about it. Uh, once he gets that ball and it touches the hands, he, he usually just lets it fly. And as well, you know, we've kind of seen him uh, drive more into the paint and either do a spin move and do a nice layup or type floater. And he's also, you saw a couple nights ago where he broke down a defender and got past him and shot about an eight to 10 foot floater. And I think he's really pinpoint that as something to put in his arsenal uh, to at least give him some space on the offensive end. Um, so if they do start running those two off the line, they do have uh, different things that they can go to. And I always love a point guard who has a uh, teardrop floater and it makes it just easier uh, on them and the big guys if they want to drop it down, if they're going to be uh, forced to uh, take that away from him eventually moving forward here in the season. Um, defensively, though, we've seen Herb Jones. This is his third year. I think he's capable of all defensive team, uh, first team accolades. You could put him in a discussion for defensive player of the year. Um, you know, Usually that goes to a big guy who's anchoring a defense, but I believe this guy is so important to the overall defense for the Pels, along with Dyson, but I do think Herb has kind of been anchoring that ever since he's gotten here for the Pels. So I really like how long he is. He can close out, block those three-point shots. Um, where Dyson, I feel maybe a little more um, physical, can get up into someone full court. Um, but I think you've really seen, it doesn't really matter who the Pels, um, out of those two guys, who they put on the opposing team's best player, because eventually both of them are going to be switched on to that best player. And I think you saw it um, in the last game with Dyson starting on Fox. And like I pointed out, was kind of, picking him up full court, trying to turn him, at least make him work, and then just say Fox is getting behind him through screen and rolls. There's her, you know, maybe someone who's a little longer and uh, can defend him that way. So I just think uh, since they've both been put into the starting lineup, they're just physical uh, defenders that have been really mucking it up for opposing offenses. And, you know, at the same time, giving us – a chance on the back end of our defense of covering up some holes that we've discussed. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good breakdown there. And I agree with a lot of that. Um, with that being said, which, which were the two guys you think is a better prospect moving forward? Mm, it's so tough because you just don't know where the development will go. I, like all of the the improvements that Herb's made, I think he just came in as a guy who, you know, played really hard and was that defender, but you see the evolution of his three-point shot, the confidence he has, the energy he plays with. I feel like he's been the one that kind of turned around this defensive prowess by I don't know if he's been calling people out, but I feel like he's got a bigger voice this year for sure. But at the same time, prospect-wise, it's it's hard to discredit, you know, a 6-7 guard who's second year in the league. 
he's also developing that shot. He's getting that floater. He can defend as well. So, I mean, it's it's totally, you know, hard to say or choose one over the other. I mean, it's really great that we have both of them out there uh, in that starting lineup right now because I think this is the best the units looked in quite some time uh, just because they can fill up those holes defensively, which leads us to the offensively. But who do you think or who do you like prospect-wise? I'd say today, um, you know, you'd probably give the the nod to Herb just in this current moment, and hopefully you're in a situation where you don't, um, you know, need to to make a decision, right? But like you said, it's it's hard to to pass up a lot of the characteristics that that Dyson certainly has. Um, obviously, he's quite a few years um, younger, cheaper, obviously, um, and you've seen an expedited. Um, you know, progression in his offensive game that they would hopefully assume, right, that he's got more room to grow. But um, I think both of them are, are both very special talents and, and bring a lot of different um, things to the floor each and every night. But but certainly both two really high-level um, rotation players at this point in their career. But, you know, if there is anybody to, to ask the question, I'll, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you as a guy that's, you know, I think it's safe to say has been a Lonzo Ball fan through his duration of his um, early but up and down career thus far, right? Back playing with the Lakers and then his his stint with the Pels. But, I mean, the way Dyson's playing right now, I mean, is this kind of the version of a player that you you would have liked to see Lonzo ultimately be while he was here as a Pelican? I mean, it seems like despite the, the physical features that, that have both of them, you know, in terms of, similarities right they they actually look a lot alike they're very similar size um they do a lot of the same things but um it almost seems like some of those um intangible things that that dyson brings to the table were things that we were kind of yearning for um a guy like lonzo to to bring to the table you know when he was here as a pelican yeah no doubt about it uh definitely a big lonzo ball fan and uh, you kind of saw his progression as well, him starting to get a jump shot while he was here working with Fred Vincent. And uh, once he made his way to Chicago, you truly saw that adapt along with, we all know he could pass and his basketball IQ and everything like that. Um, only kind of knock there is wasn't athletically, you know, gifted at this level, if that was for his injuries or what may, but I I feel Dyson is kind of in that same boat, like you're saying. It's hard to teach size at that position. Uh, The basketball IQ, you can see the light bulb kind of going off for Dyson. He may be a better defender than Lonzo was at this this point. Um, Like I said, he's he's long. He's he's a bigger guard. Um, He makes those guys work defensively. He's a good rebounder at that position. Um, you know, maybe the next progression for him are those Lonzo Ball type full court passes uh, to maybe put some more growth into this offense while we're running and getting out and going. Um, but I've seen and liked everything I liked from Dyson. I remember, you know, going to a game last year and pointing out this guy's size. Like, yeah, he was raw last year, a rookie, just kind of getting his feet wet in the league. And I said, Hey, there's something here. If not just his size, uh, that's what I was definitely impressed with. And 
rebounds better than you would think. And definitely I think his de- defending has been, um, you know, really taken up a notch in this second year with the extended minutes and the confidence growth. Yeah, spot on there. Um, I think at this point uh, it's it's safe to say we're seeing a lot of the same characteristics between those two players, and, and yet I'd say maybe even a, a more promising future ahead of him um, in terms of areas that, that he's already grown within the last you know year to 18 months as being a professional. And I, I see his progression um, only continuing to um, trend upwards. But, um, you know, segueing off of that and, and maybe starting to talk about something else, um, there is one thing that I would I would love for you to – have the opportunity in, in the floor for all those that are listening. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and let's let's just call this the I was wrong segment of the show. Now, I'm going to give you the floor to offer any type of apology or anything you would like to the masked man, big, beautiful Cody Zeller. The floor is yours. That is a great one, Pat. Um, I, I will kind of eat some crow here. Um, give some props to Cody Zeller. Definitely didn't see this, but you can see um, how integral and an integral part he is of this team. Uh, you know, I think someone said it last night in the press conference. You know, this was a guy who made that run with the Miami Heat last year and kind of gained that experience. Yeah, didn't get a lot of minutes, but whenever you have a veteran that can kind of shed light on what it kind of takes to become that next level. Um, you know, I loved everything I saw out of him. He's just a guy that, you know, makes plays, plays hard, is going to do the right things just from like an energy perspective. He was mucking things up, um, if you will, uh, going after rebounds out of his position, even if it was just trying to tap it out. So, you know, I will take that one on the chin. Um, didn't think he was going to play a big part or you know, any part at all of like getting any minutes for this team. But you can see that, you know, in the minutes that he's gotten in these past couple games, I mean, basically plays 15 minutes or so and probably dang near had a double-double. So there's nothing I can say from my point of view. Uh, but, you know, I was I was wrong about him and kind of love what I'm I'm seeing from him. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to to love what you're seeing from a guy like Cody. You know, you touched on his um, experience last year and him being a veteran, but I think that's even underselling him, right? I mean, um, you know, him even being a part of the Revolutionary War since the 1800s and, um, you know, fighting alongside great historical figures such as, you know, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Um, he certainly does bring, you know, a lot of experience to the table and, and things that hopefully he's passing on to these, um, you know, young and, and budding teammates of his, but um, like you said, great veteran presence with, with a ton of, um, you know, experience to lean on. Um, certainly some of those experiences he's had in the past are, are more, um, you know, demanding than others, but um, you would imagine based on that experience that um, coming into a young team here that, that got off to a rocky start is, is certainly um, something that Cody can handle and is certainly handled with grace. So um, I think that in itself has shown his worth and, um, I think the team is certainly seeing the, the value that he brings on a night-to-night basis. So um, with that, I wanted to go ahead and, um, like I said, give you the opportunity to do so. Love all the great words that you had said about Cody. Um, 
you know, continuing to look not only for the rest of this year, but but here in the next couple games or so, I think it's going to be pivotal that this team um, uses a lot of these experiences that they've, um, you know, learned from here in the last couple games. Um, it seems like they're continuing to grow and, um, you know, work towards the same goal now. It seems like there's a, a clear picture in how they need to play, um, the way that they're going to play together. Um, and, and it seems like they have more of a, pur- a purpose, um, which certainly, you know, makes things a lot easier. But, um, you know, got certainly some good news today. It sounds like we're we're getting a lot closer to get even some more pieces, including CJ and, and Larry. Um, obviously, it's going to be critical in the way that we utilize those guys, you know, in terms of returning them to the lineup, but also not disrupting the chemistry that's currently going on. So um, certainly going to be a tall task for, for Willie and his staff. But um, if done correctly, right, this could really springboard this team um, headed into the right direction here over the next two to three weeks, I would say. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I kind of just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. You know, you bringing up those guys coming back. I mean, how much is it? Yes, CJ, whenever he's ready to go, I think Larry should probably be ready to go uh, the next game against Sacramento or the Friday game against the Clippers. CJ might still be a little ways away, it seems. He's got to get medically cleared. But where do you, you know, teeter that line of yes cj's a veteran you know integral part of the team but say if you start reeling off these games here can you just thrust them back into the starting lineup and take dyson out or do you kind of what do you what do you see from that point of view like how do you take that like how to how do you just take a group that seems like in the last four or five games has been one of the better groups in the nba and then when these guys come back, kind of, how do you not disrupt that in a sense? Common sense would tell you you don't touch the lineup, but, you know, the life of NBA players and NBA coaches doesn't really operate off of common sense. Uh, I mean, I don't even think it's a conversation. As soon as CJ is cleared, he will be starting. Dyson will be going back to the bench. That's just the reality of of the situation in the league, right? You, they're paying a guy, you know, mid 30 million dollars a year um, he's a cornerstone of the franchise Dyson's a, a young and upcoming role player so there really isn't much conversation there it's going to be dependent on the staff and and maybe trying to um, work through that in terms of rotations and, and getting back to that original group as quickly as possible through the use of substitutions and um, you know substitution patterns throughout the game just so you know they can keep a, a rotation and a group of guys out there that have a, such a high net rating both offensively and defensively um you really want to just try to find as many minutes as possible to keep that group together because of that cohesiveness but um yeah i don't really think there's much of a conversation in terms of who will be standing out there when the ball is tipped off um in terms of larry um you know in my opinion larry really doesn't carry the carte blanche to really have that decision made on his behalf um I, i see that more of a situation as I don't really think he should be getting minutes until um, Cody either gives those minutes back to him by not performing or, you know, there's other injuries that we have to have Larry step in. Not to say that Larry's not going to play anymore the rest of the year or anything like that, but um, a piece such as him, um, you know, a second line big man, um, you know, I don't think that that really allows for him to come in and just start taking some minutes. So if it were me, I would keep Cody in the lineup. I think Cody brings a lot of the, 
um, hard nose and, and gritty things that we need from that group that, that really permeate through the rest of the rotation. So um, that one I'm not going to be touching. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of seems the M.O. for the Pels the last couple years. You I mean, you even saw it the other night. Um, for better, for worse, Jose, you know, fan favorite, he, he gets some spot minutes, which you need to get him in there to just kind of get some rhythm and stuff like that. But it seems like every time someone comes back from an injury, they are immediately going to play in that next game that they are cleared. And that kind of goes with throwing off some rotations if you're trying to put Larry uh, in there in this next Sacramento game. So you just never know how that's going to go. And, um, you know, just past history says you, you're you going to see Larry if he's 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 good to go. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, totally not closing the door on the fact that that will um, occur. You know, obviously you're you're calling out some good – um, good points in terms of history with this team and how they operate. Um, so again, we'll just have to see, and they're going to have to balance themselves on a very fine line, right? So um, nothing we can do other than just watch and see what the staff ultimately decides to do. Um, the most you can hope for is that it, it doesn't throw an additional wrench into the into the mix and, and starts throwing off some groups that are playing at a high level. But um, with that, I think... Um, we can go ahead and look to that next Sacramento game. Going to be another opportunity. Um, that's going to be a motivated team trying to get one back from us after um, playing at such a high level the way that we did. So um, going to be another opportunity. Um, you know, as we've mentioned throughout this early part of this year, every game's a, a new test and an opportunity to grow and build chemistry as a group. So, um, you know, win or lose, they need to come out and play the right way, <clears throat> play together, um, and, and continue that upward trajectory to, to ultimately um, becoming one of these better teams in the Western Conference here in the next um, couple months. So uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that and um, seeing how this team continues to grow over the next two or three games. But with that, this has been Pat and Tony on the Holy Hardwood Podcast, and we look forward to talking to you guys uh, after our next game. Peace.